0: Hi, and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here, and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire, and instill fresh faith in you. We continue our series on herd immunity. Here's Christine Geshom sharing today's message. Church, I'm so glad that I get to share the word of God with you today. As you know, we've been going through a series called The Detox, where we really looked deeper at ourselves. We uh, looked at how we need to live a lifestyle of repentance, that it's an ongoing process. We also um, looked at mission and how each of us, once we look deeper, once we um, lay all before God, how we need to be more missionary, love God more and love people more. And of course, last week, we looked at how we walk in freedom, the freedom that comes from knowing that, uh, our identity is secure in Christ. And so this week, we get into a new series. And this series is titled The Herd Immunity. Now, you might wonder, does this have anything to do with COVID or what's happening? Why have you named it that? So the thing about herd immunity is this. From a scientific standpoint, um, when a sufficient amount of the population have been infected by the uh, disease or have been vaccinated, the remaining 10% will automatically find their immunity. And this really applies in cases where parts of the population are extremely immunocompromised, like babies or senior citizens. It really helps. Now, how do we draw herd immunity into our series? So here's the thing. As a church, we need each other. As a community, we need each other. We, none of us were meant to do this life alone. In isolation, all of us do well. But the truth is it's in community that we become the people that God has called us to be. And so in community, as varied as our communities look, um, it is in community that we are stronger, that we have more of an offense against the enemy. It's uh, in community that we find security with each other. it's in community that we grow. and so it is essential. That in order for us to be immune to the attacks of the enemy, in order to be immune against all that the world will present to us, that we find ourselves at the center of a herd. And that's what the series is about. It's about a gospel-centered community. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It warrants that when we talk about the good news, there's some bad news that is in the background. And the bad news is that all of us have sinned. That's what Romans 8 says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what then is the gospel? What then is the good news? If we were to summarize the gospel, this is what it would look like, that we were created perfectly in the image of God. But then because of inherent sin in our lives, because the condition of sin, we have fallen, we have sinned, we have missed the mark. But then we have redemption in Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the gospel story. What is redemption? Redemption is the clearing of a debt complete clearing of a debt. The debt of sin was so huge in each of our lives, but it was Jesus through his death, through his resurrection, that he canceled that debt on our lives and doesn't finish just there. So we are saved because of this redemption that Jesus did for us. And then we are transformed into his likeness. And finally, there is restoration that happens. So like I just mentioned, there's this phase in between redemption And restoration called transformation. And that's where each of us, each one of us are finding ourselves right now. We are in the here and now and the not yet. We have not yet gone to the place of the new heavens and the new earth, but we are in our present. We are saved. We're standing by grace. And therefore we need Christ for our renewal every single day. This is the gospel. This is the simple gospel. So when you share it with someone, you can remember these four points as an outline before you share the gospel with them. But how does this apply to community? How do we say gospel-centered community, that we need to be a gospel-centered community? This is how we look at it. Through the very lens of creation, the fall, redemption, and transformation, we're going to look at the Genesis 1 story, the creation story. We're going to look at the first thing, which is we were created for community. Can we look at Genesis 1, verse 26, which says this, Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be just like us so if you've ever wondered why you're so basically hardwired to want community to crave relationship it's because that's who god was if you remember it says in the bible it says let us create it talks about us it's not just one person it's three persons who were creating together the trinitarian god himself dwelt in community he was a community and therefore Since we are made in his image, we are exactly like him. Hence, we were created for community. I like this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And that's how Eve comes into the picture because God said it's not good for him to be alone. Look at how we are so internally wired Desire community. So today, whether you and I are social, antisocial, extrovert, introvert, uh, extra introvert, or whatever it is that you classify yourself under, we all need community. We were created for community. That's the baseline. We're going to build from that. The second thing is that this community that we crave for is broken because of the fall. There is so much that works in these communities that that create cracks in it, that create fissures in it. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13 in the message translation. And I want you to look at this through the the eyes of community. Verse 3 says this, The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it, don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what's really going on, saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree and yes, I ate it. God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. If you look at this scenario, it was a beautiful garden. The Garden of Eden was Laden with treats and um, just so pleasing to the eye. It must have had everything that Adam and Eve ever needed. And here they were communing directly with God. This was, in a sense, the perfect community. But yet, something else crept in and messed this perfect community up. What was that thing that crept in? It was the issue of self it was the issue of individualism here god had created this scene where there was this beautiful interdependence a dependence on god adam and eve needed god for everything they were communicating so intimately with him but then this thing of self came in they decided to make it out on their own they decided enough is enough we got to make our own decisions and while god allowed that it led them down this very dark path so today some of the reasons that community gets broken is because primarily because of selfishness. But to look deeper, it's also because of certain other things. I want us to look at five different self conditions that caused this fall. One was self sufficiency. Verse four to five says, you will be just like God. He first puts the doubt that what God said was not true. And then he says, you will be just like him. Then why do you need God? You can manage on your own. So there was a thought of self sufficiency. The next thing was self will. Verse 6 says, when the woman saw it look good and saw what she would get out of it, she took the fruit and ate it. She decided, this works for me. I'm going to do it. Self-will, self-reliance. They sewed leaves together, fig leaves together for clothing. They thought they knew what they were doing. They thought they had the solution. The next thing was self-protection. When God was walking in the garden, they go and hide. And they, when God calls out to them, they said, we were scared, so we hid. They protected themselves. And self-importance, verses 12 to 13, they talk about how God asks who did what. And immediately the blame game starts. Adam points at Eve, Eve points at the serpent. Self-importance, Adam made himself look better than he really was, and Eve deflected. Isn't this like most of us? Isn't this why community breaks nowadays? Because we feel we need to be more important than we are. We want importance maybe when we're not given it. Maybe we decided to assert our self-will And all of these things will eventually be catastrophic for relationships, will be catastrophic for community. And that's why today communities are broken. That is why the fall has affected even our communities. But there's good news. There's good news because even these broken communities have redemption. If we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, I love this verse. It says, The Lord God made tunics of animal skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In order to have animal skins to be worn, there has to have been an animal sacrifice. There had to have been the shedding of blood. And that's what God did. God shed some blood in order to clothe these people and send them out of there. Jesus did the very same thing. Like I said, he redeemed us, cleared the debt completely. Our mess ups are huge, but his death on the cross cleared us of all debt. And so today, when Christ has redeemed us, he's primarily redeemed us for community. He's primarily redeemed our capacity for community, which means today you and I can again exist in a community. We can again live in peace in a community. We can again find joy in community. But that doesn't mean that community is easy. It doesn't mean that it's it's devoid of hard work. In fact, quite the opposite. And so that's when we're going to go to the next thing where we are transformed in community. So it doesn't just end there. We don't just get redeemed. It doesn't mean that we're just free of sin. We're standing in grace by faith. And that's it. The story ends there. No, all of us, like I said, are in the now and the not yet, which means that we're in a season of renewal. We're in a season of what the Bible calls sanctification. So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, which says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, And called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So like I said, we are in this place, in this tension between we are redeemed, we are set free. And yet we have not been completely restored to perfection, which is going to happen in eternity. We're in the middle. And so what happens there is a lot of renewal takes place. A lot of transformation takes place. He talks about all of those who are sanctified everywhere, who know Jesus. And so this is what community today looks like. Community does not look like a bunch of clones. We all don't look and sound the same. We don't dress the same. We don't act the same. We don't even eat the same kind of food. But the beauty of it is this is the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. I want us to read Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to get an idea of what this community really looks like. After these things, I looked and this is what I saw. A vast multitude, which no one could count, gathered from every nation and from all the tribes and people and languages of the earth, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Isn't that amazing? Every people group, tribe, tongue. A lot of times when we used to meet before the lockdown as a church community um, over lunch or over dinner, it would be amazing as to the conversations we had with other people because they were from different parts of India. Their stories were different. Some of them were from Hill stations. Some of them were from the east of India. Their food preferences, their music choices, everything's different. These are people that ordinarily, if we just crossed each other on the street, we may not even uh, look at each other. We may not have much in common. But it is because of Jesus' finished work that we can today sit across from each other has so much to talk about, have so many stories to exchange and talk about that common point of where Jesus met us. That's the beauty of the community. That's the beauty of the body of Christ, that strangers become friends and not just superficial friends, but we go deeper. That's what community looks like. And the community that we are talking about, that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, this gospel-centered community will look so diverse. We're not just talking about the local churches we are part of. We're also talking about the global church, the capital C church. It's amazing because um, my husband and I and our children, we've been in different parts of the world in order to study. And wherever we went, whether it was Australia, US, whether we went to an African church, an Indian church, a white church, a multicultural church, wherever we went, we just felt welcome the minute we stepped in. And it was not because of by virtue of who we knew or how we looked or any of that. No, it was just because Jesus united us. The minute we stepped in, we called on the name of Jesus during worship. It was just this feeling of calmness, this feeling of acceptance. And that's the beauty of this community. So wherever we are right now watching this, whichever part of the world we're watching it from, whichever part of India we're watching it from, we belong to this beautiful community, this faith community, community that is united by jesus and isn't that an amazing thing it's so tempting though to stay in isolation and so that's what i'm going to come down boil this down to um all of us are stuck in isolation and some of us um like my brother and i always joke that we are we come on the antisocial category we love wearing masks and going out for our walks or runs um so that we don't have to like converse with anyone so this is ideal for people like us but the truth is even for us even for the antisocial even for the introverts We need community. We will not get sanctified. We will not be renewed unless we are in community. And so I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 27. It says this, now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each with its own special purpose and function. So when we looked at the detox series, we were looking at ourselves. We were looking at where we need to change ourselves. What are the things that are inherently wrong the heart ideals and things like that we were looking deeper at ourselves and while that's an ongoing experience it's throughout our life we're going to be doing that it doesn't just stop there these things change and these things a lot of times get even exposed in community um we have a tradition in our family where for each of our children's birthdays we take them out alone we first give them um lunch and then we take them shopping just on their own so it's just my husband me and the one child that whose birthday is coming up and so it's amazing how that one child will revel in all of that solitude with both their parents. And also that child is on, it's on his or her best behavior. It's like you cannot believe this child would have any other uh, facets to their character. They're, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're gentle, they're, they're so affectionate with us. And the minute we finish shopping, we come back home. Uh, They're reintroduced into their herd, so to speak, and they have the other two siblings who instantly will irritate them or say something and the fight begins. And so the truth is this, like I said before, we are saints in isolation, but it's community that brings out all the grime and the dust, the things that need to be addressed. And that's what God wants us to do. In this season, you may be isolated. You may be in your homes working constantly or just maybe seeing one or two people at the maximum. But God's calling you out of that place, back into community. He wants us to be back into community. Right now, community may look like just those video calls, those audio calls, those Zoom calls, whatever it is. Don't miss out on community because without community, we will crumble and fall. It's not just that community keeps us safe. It's not just a a backup plan. Community is the plan. It is the primary plan of God. As we looked at this entire creation story, we saw how Even though Adam and Eve had sinned, even though they had messed up, God drives them out of Eden. He gives them a redemptive plan. Those animal skins were were, were a showcase of how much he cared for them, how much he loved them. And then following that, they again form their own community, which which happens when they have Cain and Abel. But like I was saying, community is hard work. And Cain and Abel messed up. Abel was able to discern what God wanted of him, Cain wasn't able to, there was insecurity, there was anger, and eventually there was murder. So again, the fall played a role there. So for each of us in community, currently, you will find that our communities are broken. No church, no faith community is perfect. In fact, someone once said that um, no church is perfect. In fact, the minute we enter that church, it becomes imperfect. So our view of community shouldn't be as something that we denounce or avoid. Because for transformation, community is not optional. It's essential. Even as we look at the pastoral episodes, you know, as we read the New Testament, there are so many verses which talk about love one another, care for one another, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other. These are called the one another passages. And they are not meant for us to just memorize and keep it in our head and just, uh, you know, feel good about. They're actually meant for us to practice And the truth is, the more you practice it, the more you may fail at it. You will find that it's harder to love the unlovable. It's harder to forgive some of the things that people say to you in community. But the good news is this. We have this beautiful thing called renewal, where the Holy Spirit is the agent of renewal. And the tool of renewal is the gospel itself. And the context of renewal is our community. So when you allow yourself, when you give yourself complete access to the Holy Spirit, He starts this renewal process. So you may fail at loving someone. You may fail at forgiving someone. It's okay. You can come back. You can repent. Come back and ask the Holy Spirit, I need help. Lord, I'm struggling to love people. I'm struggling to forgive. I'm struggling to bear another person's burdens because I get too burdened myself. And the beauty of it is the Holy Spirit comes in with all his power and grace and he helps us. So that's what renewal today looks like. That's what transformation in community looks like today so I want to ask you what does community look like today for you does it look like something that you may not want to get back into because you've seen too many flaws too many problems can I ask that you will focus on the one who created us for community because Jesus created us for community he didn't create us to be in silos he didn't create us to just you know be in a corner by ourselves with headphones um, not bothering what anyone around us no he created us for community. And as fallen and broken as community is, remember that he redeemed us for community. He redeemed our capacity for community, which is amazing because today you and I can again coexist in community. You and I can again enjoy community. And as much as it is hard work, as much as it requires the hard yards, He is restoring us. He's transforming us into that beautiful bride of Christ. I want to read this beautiful verse from Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 to 8, which shows us what our aim is, where our goal is. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. A lot of times we look at uh, community as this safety net under a tightrope, you know, in a circus tent when the tightrope walkers are walking, there's a safety net below. And we look at community as that, oh, we need someone, you know, when I'm sick, I need people to pray for me or I need people to take me to the doctor. We look at it as that safety net. But you know what? I want us to think if maybe community is the tightrope itself. I like what Tim Keller said. He said, Christian community is more than just a supportive fellowship. It is an alternative society. And it is through this alternate human society that God shapes us into who and what we are. I also like what Francis Schaeffer said. He said, our relationship with each other is the criteria the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. You and I know our message is the truth. You and I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way we can demonstrate this to the watching world, the only way we can actually draw people into the kingdom is through community. It cannot be done in isolation. So I want to pray for each of us that we will once again come to this place of yearning for community. Five months in isolation has not been easy on any of us. Even the most sociable people, I think, have diminished in their capacity for relationship. But can we ask God today to? Make us yearn again for community. Maybe lean into our communities, the faith communities God has placed us in, that we will really lean in, that we will ask God, show show me my purpose. Show me how I can serve you better. Show me how I can serve the people of my community better. Maybe you're asking me, I love the four-story, the four-chapter gospel, but I have not been redeemed yet by Jesus. Can I invite you? To, into a relationship with Jesus. Without Jesus, our lives are empty. Without Jesus, our lives lack meaning. You and I need Jesus. Jesus is God himself. He was the son of God. He was sent to earth. He, he saved all of us from our sinful nature by dying on a cross for us. He died as a common criminal, even though he was completely sinless and he took our sins upon him. And he was raised to life on the third day And today he lives in heaven at the right hand of his father interceding for us, which means when you accept Jesus into your life, you are counted as righteous. You are counted as healed and saved and restored. And now he sits beside his father speaking on our behalf to the father. So when you use the name of Jesus in prayer, when you call on his name, he's speaking for you. He's speaking on your behalf. And we have not been left alone. We have not been left as orphans. He has left behind the third person of the Godhead. He's left behind the Holy Spirit with us, who empowers us, who brings to life the dead things of our hearts, the dead things of our life. And he empowers us to live better, to live stronger, to live more powerfully and effectively. So can I invite you into a relationship with Jesus? It will be the best thing you do. It will change your life. It will change your perspective on everything around you. Can I lead you in this simple prayer? I'd like you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you that you love me so much. I invite you into my heart as the Lord and Savior of my life. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I ask that you will flood me with your presence and give me your Holy Spirit. In everything that I do henceforth, I love you and I thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for each of us who are right now seated at home, seated in our rooms, in isolation, waiting for the time when we can meet back in community. Maybe you're, you're content being at home without community, but can I pray for you that that desire, that innate longing for community will be birthed again within you. Because remember, we have been created for community. We were not created to go alone on this journey. Father in heaven, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel which shapes us and renews us and transforms us in the best possible way, Lord. We thank you for your great love that you have showered upon us. And right now, I pray for each one of us, oh, Father, that we will not forget that we have been created for community, that we will not forget that you have redeemed us for community. We will not forget that, Lord, you transform us only in community. And that, Lord, we will be so bold as to get up and get back into community, oh, Father, that we will get back into fellowship with people, that we will lay down our guard, lay down all our prejudice and step back in in faith into community. Help us, O Lord. Help us. We pray that everything of the past, every everything that has dogged us in the past when it came to community will be a thing of the past and that we'll trust you, Lord, that you are doing something afresh, something new in the present. And that, Lord, we'll be unafraid to step into community. We pray that, Lord, you will work in us, you will work through us. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We cannot do this alone. Ourself steps in so many times. We pray that you will rid us of our self-sufficiency, our self-protective stance, that you will rid us of our self-will, O oh Lord, and that it will be more of you, Jesus. We pray that you will work in us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Amen. I want to remind you of this African proverb which says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go along with others. So I want to encourage you as we continue this series on herd immunity, that you will decide to step into community in faith and allow God to transform you as only He can. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.